You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. This episode of the Sportsman's Nation is brought to you by Outdoor Edge and their complete lineup of replaceable and fixed blade knives and game processing kits. Now, in my bag this year, I had the Razor Pro Saw Combo Kit. It comes in a very compact, handy carrying case, and one handle has the replaceable blade knife and the gutting blade. The other handle has the saw that comes with it. So, I use the saw to split the pelvis, and I use the gut hook to open up the cavity and the blade to start cutting all the stuff out, right? So uh, it makes cleaning a deer very simple, very easy, and the the knife is sharp. And uh, if you've ever had to gut a deer with a dull knife, we all know how much that sucks. So um, take a look at the Razor Pro Saw Combo Kit and uh, head on over to OutdoorEdge.com and enter the discount code NATION30. That's NATION30 for 30% savings on your purchase. Check out Dogs Are Treat at DogsAreTreat.com. And if you go to their website at checkout and enter the code HXP20% off, you will get 20% off of your entire order on all of their branded products. Leashes, tie-outs, medical kits, paws are protected. Build your pack from the ground up and support a fellow houndsman that supports your lifestyle. Enter the code HXP20% off at checkout. Go to their website today at dogsartree.com. This is the Houndsman XP Podcast. Good dog, get that bear. Get that bear in there. The original podcast for the complete houndsman. The podcast that represents our lifestyle of extreme performance. Get up there! Yeah! 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 Good boy! Good boy, Ranger! Uniting houndsmen across the globe from east to west, north to south. You know, if you're going to catch a cat or a lion, you know, you have to have teamwork. We take you to the wildest places on earth. 
Yeah, so how many days? How many days a week do you spend out there? As much as I can, to be honest with you. Any time that I get, I'm I'm out there. Join us for every heart pounding adventure on Houndsman XP. I'll tell you like I tell everyone else. I'm gonna hunt whether you're here or not, so you might as well be here. <laughs> I promise you, you are not going to want to miss this episode of the Houndsman XP podcast. I'm in South Texas with Shorty Gorham, and uh, Shorty and I sat down with a houndsman from South Texas named Travis Land. And while Travis is a, a deer recovery specialist, there's so much more to his story than just using hounds to find deer he comes from uh, generations of houndsmen in south texas and he has now migrated over into recovering deer on ranches for clients um, deer recovery dogs and it's it's a story that i never expected Uh, but we got into so many different conversations around tracking deer that uh, any person that's a houndsman is going to benefit from listening to this. A deer, even if you're not a houndsman, if you're a deer hunter, you need to listen to this podcast and take in what Travis has to say. Listen to his message. But we talk about things from scent to you know the the characteristics and the traits we look for in dogs to breeding to uh, you know whether all the things that affect hunting, but it's also in a very unique area of South Texas and there's no place else like it. And, uh, Texas is its own culture. And this was just a very, very good podcast. And, and I normally don't listen to all of the recorded episodes, uh, all the way through, but I found myself Going back, I enjoyed recording this so much. I found myself not being able to uh, listen to it all again, and that's because I've already heard it once. But when you're producing the podcast and you're putting it all together, and and you know, you just you kind of get the flow of it, so you skip through. But I couldn't skip through, and I don't think you will be able to either. So I'm really excited about this this episode of the Houndsman XP podcast, and and don't miss it and so uh, that's all i got to say about that you're going to hear it all Uh, but guys like robert miller from michigan who uh, just recently sent me a question robert uses his dogs up there to uh, track deer and recover deer for people you're going to get a lot out of this podcast he sent me a question about scent about scent discrimination about the uniqueness of scent. I think that Travis is going to answer those questions you sent me, Robert. And there's no sense in me going into a big lecture about scent. Travis has got it figured out. So enjoy this. But before we get there, guys, I I am really stoked. I really, seriously. 2021 has been a year of victory for the houndsman. And I want you to think about this because we talk a lot about the things that we need to do and, and staying vigilant and, and 
and it always sounds like the sky's fallen, and we've got to celebrate some victories. So Montana House Bill 468 passed the Senate and is on its way to the governor's office, where it's expected to be signed into law, allowing Montana houndsmen to have a spring bear season using hounds and also a summer training season using hounds. That is is historical for the state of Montana, and a lot of people went into making this thing work from the representatives, uh, Paul Fielder on the House side, and and then you've got guys like Terry Zink who worked on this bill, got a lot of information out there on his social media platform, shared it on the Houndsman XP platform, uh, you know the podcast group page. Uh, Ross Feenstra was out there spending days in Helena, uh, Montana, and and working with legislators to to get this passed through. You had the the groups like uh, Hunter Nation and Sportsman's Alliance who were getting the word out. So that that just goes to show you that there is victory, and it's such a sweet victory because I cannot think of the last time that we actually had the use of hounds added to the management plan for hunting. We're always getting it taken away, but this time we got it added to the management plan as an approved method for taking black bear in the state of Montana. Other victories we've had. That's not the only one. I mean, Nevada Sporting Dog Alliance put out the cry for help and and you rallied around that and 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 helped them sustain their black bear season and the use of hounds for that uh, there's tethering bills that are being that are being put down and defeated because you're getting getting with it one thing i'll i'll just bring up though is we can't be asleep at the wheel here folks We've got to pay attention. We've got to keep our eye on the ball. And right now in the state of Vermont, Vermont needs our help to keep uh, hound hunting on on the on the radar and, and in the approved methods for taking black bear. Uh, legislators, uninformed legislators, ignorant legislators who have no idea who we are and what we do, uh, I've listened to the animal radicals and and have introduced a bill that would take this uh, practice of using hounds in the state of Vermont off the books and make it illegal to pursue black bears with hounds there. So watch our um, Houndsman XP podcast group page on Facebook. We've got people that are updating uh, that page with information about Vermont. We've already got contact information there we've got email addresses we've got all this stuff so if you're not following us there find the houndsman xp podcast group and and request to join the page okay you have to and and make sure that you answer the questions if if we're getting to the point now on that page where we've already had to uh, go through and clean house on a few trolls and people that that were trying to infiltrate our group so Please answer those questions, and and we will approve you to come in and be able to start seeing that stuff. I also want to give a shout-out to Lauren. Uh, she has been hammering the, the legislative issues, especially in Wisconsin. And so if you're not following Lauren 
on uh, her personal page, Lauren Verani, V-R-A-N-Y. You need to follow her there. Also on Instagram, she's posting under uh, Brew City Blues. And she uh, uh, is just knocking it out of the park. She's really involved in, in keeping track of all that stuff. So make sure you're following Houndsman XP Podcast group and also Lauren on her personal pages because she is uh, she's she's really doing a good job for especially Wisconsin hunters right now. So guys, like I said, I'm I'm stoked. I'm not only stoked about about this this season of victory we've had, but I'm also really excited about you hearing this podcast. You are not going to be disappointed. This is not a deer dog podcast or, you know, like I've said before, I don't care if we're, we're chasing field mice with our, with our hounds. Um, it doesn't really matter. This, Travis is a houndsman and, and you're going to walk away with, uh, some real gems after you listen to this podcast. So guys, that's enough for me. We've got a hot one here, and it's time to dump the box. Southern Hound Honey Magazine is the most comprehensive magazine that represents your lifestyle as a houndsman. If you can hunt it with a hound, it is being covered in the pages of Southern Hound Honey Magazine. You also get an in-depth look at the men and women who are engaged in this lifestyle, living it every day to the fullest. From the Rocky Mountains to the Southern Swamps and across the ocean with articles about our international houndsmen and what they're chasing across the pond. Go to southernhoundhunting.com, get your subscription for $15 a year. Southern Hound Hunting Magazine, promoting the fair chase experience. And where, where are we at? Kennedy, Texas. And what restaurant did you say we were at? Jalisco. <laughs> no, you said something about Ruby's. Ruby's or, Lounge. Oh, Ruby's Lounge, yeah. Fallerton, Texas. Yeah. 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 What is, what's Ruby's Lounge? Are we allowed to talk about that on the air? Yeah. Well, it depends if you want to be politically correct or not. Oh, okay. If you're from South Texas, you'll know. Yeah. Ruby's Lounge. Tell them about the bumper sticker. It's the home of Coyotes, Cowboys, Rattlesnakes, and all others. And Mexicans. Yep. You can say it. It's okay. <laughs> Where we're at, Mexicans are proud to be Mexicans. Absolutely. Yeah. You don't call them Hispanic. You don't Mm-mm. call them Latino. You call them Mexicans. Right. That's right. And they're proud. Well, and it's a it, the thing that always impresses me about coming to South Texas, interacting down here, it's just there's really not a whole lot of – it's just part of the culture. You oh, know? absolutely. I mean, I look forward to it. I look forward to it. And, and uh, I don't see a problem. Mm-mm. No. So, well, we are in Kennedy, Texas, and we got Shorty Gorham, and uh, uh, is c- helping me co-host this. Shorty, you're you're um, you're the man from South Texas that's hooking us up with contacts here. So, you want to in- introduce our guest? Yeah, we're uh, we're here with a friend of mine, Travis Land, um, and Travis is uh, a long time. Um, I guess what third generation hound hunter? Yes, sir. Um, from from down here, uh, something that's going to be unique to to our listeners today. Most most people haven't heard of. I know when I was telling you, Chris, about it, you were kind of looking at me a little bit cross eyed. But but uh, you know why would why would we talk to Travis? Um, 
and uh, Travis is is a guy that has uh, blood tracking dogs for yeah. for game recovery. And, yeah, when and you told me blood tracking dog, you know, automatically in my world, you know, I was thinking some dude with a muddy adopted from the pound and and. Uh, it, when you when you really get down to it, and I'm, this isn't disparaging against eastern deer hunters, but it's becoming a fad up in Indiana to to have a blood tracking dog. And to be quite honest, I've recovered my wounded deer on my property with everything from a, a Chesapeake Bay Retriever to a Mountain Feist to the to the dog that my wife. I just took him up there and just watched him and. Uh, they locked in on it, and you just kind of encourage them a little bit, and just let them do their thing, and and you just go with them. But what we're doing here, what Travis is doing, is something completely different than what I. <laughs> so when you told me blood trackers, I was like, dude, I could have interviewed twenty of them in Indiana, and I was never excited about doing it. But right. when you told me what Travis does, then I'm thinking, okay, this this could work. Yeah, it's you know, and we'll let you talk about a little bit more here travis, let's just tell travis a story for him let's do it <laughs> yeah um but it, it it really is uh i've got to be on on some recoveries and and it's really the same as the way he, we hunt game with hounds i mean you know i hunt cats and and what travis is doing is is a lot the same with that the style that that they use and that so yeah and the same um, type of breeding that you know as those dogs those dogs are special to, to what what I do down here in South Texas. And, yeah. And, and, and to allude to what you said about it being popular, you know, where you're from, you know, there's a lot of game where you're from, but there's just so much more of an introduced diversity of, of animals in South Texas that these dogs have to navigate through where they're shot. You know, what what game is not in South Texas? That's right. You know, we talked about that a little bit. Yeah, we were trying to think of one. We couldn't. Yeah, and <laughs> – just exotics, you know, the exotics. Yeah, and, sure. and uh, I mean, what were you calling? You talking about a paracoon earlier. Yeah, um, so we have a, a raccoon down here. They call it a paracoon, and it's kind of, kind of, you know, it's a raccoon, but it seems to have a little bit shorter tail, but they run like crazy. I wonder if you could like, get plus points. You could get plus points for those in a, in a competition in night a, hunt, or if I you'd get know. minus. <laughs> I'm going to have to call that in and ask them. Yeah, yeah, you, you're definitely going to have to whip out the rule book for that one yeah yeah but yeah so. texas is known for having everything from you might be driving down the road and see giraffes or impala or white-tailed deer or rocky mountain elk that's right you mm -hmm. know it's just it's all here that's yep. right so. and these and these dogs have to navigate you know my dogs are not just game specific dogs they're 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 blood specific and animal specific to what we're what i put them on you know whether it's an axis deer which is very popular down here to hunt a black buck antelope or even an eland. So when you say an eland, that's a, that's one that I wouldn't have thought of, Travis. Yes, sir. When you say blood specific, well, so let's not let's not get too far ahead. I want to talk about how <laughs> Travis got, but I want you to hold that thought. You got it. I'll hold it right here. I'm gonna put it in my pocket. We should have gone over like the show notes that I always store in my head, and expect everybody to know. I don't have any room in my head for more <laughs> notes. <laughs> Travis, how did you how do you get your start in hounds? Because you haven't been a blood tracker. Well, you know, I've always had a, do a deer dog since I was about fifteen. I'll be now, was it a deer dog? A traditional? It was more of a traditional cur type dog that that, that goes back to 
that went back to some other bloodlines here in South Texas. And uh, it was given to me by a hog hunter in, in Dilly, Texas, Denny Dubos. But uh, third generation houndsman, uh, grandfather, first running walker hound in 1949, yeah. you know, shortly after he got back from the war. And, uh, you know, they always hunted wolf dogs in this area. They called them wolf dogs and in uh, it's been mentioned on some of your other podcasts. The South Texas Wolf Hunters Association was held right down the road from where we're at today in Gillette. And, yeah. uh, you know, I've got some young men. It went from my grandfather to my uncle, who bred more of a hybrid dog, hybrid hound crosses, cur crosses, you know, with some Florida stock dogs. And uh, he hunted hogs for farmers all over South Texas. Yeah. You know, one of the original hog hunters down here. And then, I loved it, and I've still got hog dogs to this day. But I, I just always enjoyed the reward of the smile on a hunter's face to find an animal or a, or a young child's first animal. There's, we find those, you know, a dozen of those every year, first mm-hmm. deer, first animal. It's just always rewarding to me to be able to train a dog to navigate through everything that we have to do to find a wounded animal in South Texas. It's just real rewarding to me to yeah. be able to do that. And, and it goes back a long way. and. And I'm proud of that. Yeah, and it, it so it started it started off as is uh, grandparents doing traditional hound dogger stuff, right? And then, do you still do some? Do you still hog hunt or? Yes, sir. Yes, okay. sir. I still got it. I try to hog hunt too, just so I keep that lineage between myself and another good friend of mine, uh, Bub Allen. Mm-hmm. So we we it's a, it's a it's a pretty tight knit circle that we try to keep these and just it's no different than anywhere else you know if you've got some good dogs you want to keep them i want to go down that road just real quick so when you talk about keeping that tight circle of of genetics and stuff that you're breeding for um what do the dogs what do the dogs go back to is that a trade secret or is it is it you know i i don't i'm I'm not real well versed in the bloodlines of where these dogs came from that I, i just know the men that they came from uh, Cletus Land and some of these other wolf hunters that are still here with us today Joe Tyner, John Kuchmere mm-hmm. uh, Hilmer Cowie some of our local guys that, that have had these dogs and have traded them amongst themselves what I would consider some of the old well, they are they're the older they're older timer they're old school yeah you know they're some of the original guys that were here or what's left mm-hmm. of what was here because it's such a I hate to say this but it's it's we need to promote it more because it's a kind of a dying breed. Wolf hunters, there's not many coyote hunters left in South Texas. And the ones that are really are in this general area. Yeah. And well, those guys are in their 70s, you know. Mm-hmm. How much time do you spend hog hunting these days? We try to go a couple nights a week, you know, just to keep dogs legged up and, you know, work and God willing, we'll keep doing it. Yeah. Yeah, that's good stuff. That's good stuff. All right, Shorty, you've been chomping at the bed. I, I put – I you put you me down on hold. I still I have that question in my pocket. All right. Um, so I would have forgot it by now. Yeah. Yep. No. Um, so, and I think what you had mentioned just a minute ago, I think a lot of people, when they think of, of deer dogs or, or recovery dogs, just a dog that runs a deer, but you said they're blood specific. So what do you, what do you mean by blood specific? Well, I've, I've been able, I've had success training these dogs. I'll try to raise them around as many animals and in, in, in as many exotic ranches I, I try to haul these dogs with me a lot mm-hmm. so they're exposed to number one people because we're around different people all the time and we all know some of these how dogs can be houndsmen know that i'd be in trouble yeah there's <laughs> there's some hounds that just you're not there's nobody's gonna be able to handle handle your dog so 
you know, out there in the truck right now, I've got a six-month-old puppy that's just sitting there, you yeah. know, watching people walk by the restaurant. But I try to introduce them to that. I, I'll try to. I've got a lot of good friends who uh, who have big ranches in South Texas, and, and I'm fortunate enough to just take those dogs out and introduce them to game running by them. Mm-hmm. You know, there's South Texas is full of deer. It's full of exotics. Just l- exposing them to all those different scents and smells. And then I'll try to. Once they get to be about a year old and it's and it's time to go, I'll I'll start putting them on deer that are easy to find. You know, mm-hmm. just just deer that were shot and went 30, 40 yards, just easy stuff and build confidence, build confidence, just like you'll do with a young hound. And uh, I try not to cast a young dog to older dogs too much because that they just do more running. Okay, so so that, dog that brings up a question, and I think something we need to describe. You're actually, when you have a dog that's broke and ready, I mean, you can do the complete mm-hmm. truck to recovery with him. Mm-hmm. You're free casting that hound. Yes, sir. Absolutely. And like I mentioned earlier, you know, Texas is one of the the last places or one of, one of the few places that you can actually do that. The world I'm from, you know, the dog has to be on a leash. Correct. So correct it, it would be if anybody's ever traveled to south texas you could only imagine how hard it would be to leave a dog on a leash and try to navigate this brush oh my boy goodness. you'd have thorns pear. everywhere and pear <laughs> you know pear pear bushes that can get as high as 20 feet tall in some yeah. some of these places so to, to have to be able to be able to navigate and be successful and, and get a successful recovery in south texas it, it just it, it's almost impossible to try to leave a dog on a leash yeah. to navigate this type of I think terrain. I think I think these thistles and stuff down here float through the air and embed themselves in your skin. You can't get away with it. You can't get away from <laughs> I it. Shorty last night I was like, you guys ever get used to having this stuff poking you? And he goes, you don't ever, what do you say? You don't. I say you don't have to like it, but you have to get used to it. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> get you a good pair of shops. Man, I'll tell you what, they were, I, I was just standing out there and all of a sudden I felt one poking me. But a pear bush to give people that don't understand what that is that's that flat paddle cactus prickly pear cactus yeah prickly pear cactus and it's growing crazy Mm -hmm. and then besides that everything else will stick you mesquite Mm -hmm. thorns black brush rose hedge yeah Yeah, i can go on yeah so trying to think that you could uh run through the bush with a, a dog on a on a 20 foot tracking line in a harness it didn't happen. Not no, happening. They'd be so tangled up. Yeah. You know, they would have had so. to give me a raise and a bonus <laughs> to be a canine handler down here. Yes, sir. You know, it's, and, it's and, law and, enforcement. And and we're not just always – we're not always finding deer that are going to be dead. Mm-hmm. I, I try to – and that's where that's where a good houndsman who's a blood trailer has got to do his work in order to help his dog be successful is to interview the public and whoever shot the deer. And, and really try to gather as much from what they saw and and interview them and, and, and kind of did he fall down on his front end and run off? Did he fall down on his back end and run off? Did he high kick? There's so many different questions that we ask these hunters to try to put together a picture in our mind to, to know, number one, can we be successful? And if it's a marginal that we can or can't, we've got to do our part and explain to them, look, I'm going to come and I'm going to look for this deer but there's a 50-50 chance here that he might still be alive. Mm-hmm. You know, the number one call that, that I don't catch is the deer went down in the road. He got up and ran off. 
nine times out of ten, that deer was shot high in a void, and it just clipped him. He hit the ground, yeah. stunned him for a minute, just like, you know, you getting hit in the chin. Stunned him for a minute, he gets up, he runs off. That's a deer that I could probably get up and, and run, but I might not catch up to him. Yeah. Yeah, because you know, he's not hurt, and and so I he's have not to do my he's job. He's not in anything vital that's going to. That's right. correct. Yeah, that's correct. So I, it, it, a lot of it falls on my, you know, us as as blood trailers, and going back to the leash, this is what I'm trying to get get to, is it just would be so hard to try to figure that out because we catch so many broke yeah. leg deer and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, so you're hunting, you're hunting a, you're free casting your hounds. Yes, sir. The hounds got to be broke off all game, all except game. for blood. You're, you're not always finding dead deer, you know, so you're finding some wounded deer. What does it take in a hound for you to make a good deer dog? What do you need out of a hound? You know, I, I get asked that a lot, and Shorty, I think the one thing that, that I, that people, when people ask me what I breed for in a dog like that, I'm breeding for brains, number one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Brains, because it, it takes... You know, it's no secret a lot of Texas is hunting is in high fences. So if we get on a, a, a deer or an animal, a wounded animal that is in these bigger high fences that can still run 10 or 12 miles, well, they start running big circles, going down the same trails. And, and that dog's running over a scent trail that's been, the same animal's been down twice. He's going to have to slow down a little bit and, and figure out, did he did he cut down this in there or did he go... Uh, run down this this particular cross fence i mean it's they've got to be able to think first smell second and and be you know athletic third yeah in my opinion i've caught a lot of a lot of deer with older unathletic dogs that just could outthink some of the younger ones that were a little more athletically talented and i think that's the biggest misconception in hound hunting in general period is a dog doesn't have to be physically fast to be fast on a track it's that older slow dog that doesn't ever make a mistake is sometimes faster than that young fast doesn't dog. Doesn't overrun it. It yeah. overruns it, you know, yeah. a few times. Dakota 283 offers you unparalleled protection for your hounds. We're talking about military-grade kennel crates. Uh, I got, got one of these two-door kennel crates here at the house. It is super heavy-duty. It's got slap latches on it that are stainless steel easily fits in the back of an suv or if you're traveling with a camper shell it's a great way to keep your dog protected while you are traveling you just got to check out their dash series this is a watering system and i've used a lot of these portable waterers over the years but this system is all integrated into one unit and the way it's designed out of high impact plastic the water stays in the tank when you're not using it because you can put a plug in it. Check them out. Uh, the 3.5 is also compact enough that I can store it behind the seat of my pickup truck while I'm out hunting when it's super cold. I've had exterior tanks before, and as soon as I go to cold climates, then I've got to figure out how I'm going to get water to my hounds, and the dash takes care of that. So check out Dakota 283 at dakota283.com and at checkout enter the code hxp10 and get 10 percent off of your order it goes back to the old analogy and uh gunfighting you know for mm-hmm. for our 
military and our law enforcement. Sm slow is smooth, smooth is fast. That's right. You know, and if you it's can. like calf roping. Exactly. Yeah, there you go. Yep, calf roping. You can go out there and be fast. but Slow it, down to be fast. That's there what you go. Is. Yeah. Slow down to be okay, fast. Okay, so I got to get back to this. So you're telling me that you break your dogs off a of deer? Before I train them to find deer. <laughs> That's blood specific. Yeah. <laughs> so you're breaking your – tell us – tell me about that. I don't well, even know how to ask well, this question. Well, I'll walk you through it. I'll just walk you through it, Chris. What I'll – when I get a dog, what I consider broke off of all game, mm -hmm. I can trot him down the road where there's been corn fed, and there, there might be some exotics, or it might be solid deer. I'll trot him down the road, and, and any time that, and I'll trot him with an older dog, so that older dog's just trotting, and then if he tries to peel off, I'll let him go out there a little ways and, and smell and check, because even my older dogs at this point, on deer that are wounded say shot in the belly or shot further back than they needed to be they're not putting off they're not dropping much blood it's all scent so even as an older dog they've got to go check some of these they can be going down a trail and they cross a buck that's running a doe well i'll watch that old dog he'll peel off and he'll go check that deer but he'll come back mm -hmm. to where he left off and go and go keep going right so i want them to check those animals but i don't want them to just i don't want to correct them every time they look at look at a deer so if he takes off, peels off, and puts in and gives mouth, I I'm going to correct him and bring him back to the road mm -hmm. until I can get him uh, going down the road without chasing any animal that crosses his path. And then I'll start, uh, then I'll start, like I said, we'll, we'll start finding easy, easy tracks. You know, we'll find a lot of sign, you know, bone chips, broken leg deer, something mm -hmm. that's not going to run very far. And uh, then I'll start to kind of mess with their heads a little bit. Because it's we hunt over feeders in Texas because we can't just like we discussed earlier you're not gonna you're not gonna stalk hunt deer in Texas exactly very easily yeah. in, in the pear in the in the in the mesquite so I'll set these dogs up to fail so I can correct them and then take them to an easy track so I'll ninety percent of what I do a lot of times is pull up to a, a feeder where a deer was shot mm -hmm. and those dogs learn that and those old dogs will get out. They'll stretch their legs, and then they'll start making circles while I'm still getting all my GPS and coordinate stuff. And I'll have a deer hunter ask me, well, do you want me to show you, show you the blood? No, sir, he'll find it. You know, and, and, and while I'm getting all my things together, that dog, I look down, and he's already a couple of hundred yards down the trail, and I know he's right. So to get back to training a young dog, I'll, I'll take him to feeders, and I'll let him smell around, smell around, let him go off and track, and I'll correct him if they bounce a, a dry deer, and I know that he's not correct you I'll call correct. it a dry deer a deer that's not bleeding right okay yep. a deer that's not wounded a dry right. deer so if he bounces a drive deer or tries to run you know something he's not supposed to i'll correct him back mm -hmm. and then i'll take him back over to an easy track so he he starts to associate the difference in this deer's not bleeding this deer's not giving off any type of intestinal scent from being shot mm -hmm. further back there's you know they just correlate it and some of some of them t it, i go through quite a few dogs that's where I was. I, t I told you when we started. I breed for brains mm -hmm. more than I breed for yeah. ability. And so, so the reason you're breaking up, how many how many white-tailed deer will be at one of these feeders on these ranches at one time? Oh gosh, and that's something else. I can show up 24 hours later sometimes and find these animals. Mm -hmm. So you're talking about a feeder that's gone off three times since I've been there, been stepped on by in Central Texas where there's 
a huge population of deer. There could be 20 or 30 deer there at those feeders at one time. So you can't have a dog that's just going to go out there and run deer. You need them to run the right deer. That's correct. Yeah. Now it's making sense why you would break your dog off a deer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, all the exotics that are, that are present in, in Central Texas. And that gets even more tough. You know, those two plots I've got in the truck out there. They were the trashiest thing you ever saw. <laughs> <laughs> I would ha- I would wear out a I would wear out an alpha, you know. <laughs> they'd be riding the lightning nonstop. Riding the lightning. That's, yep. a, good, that's a good turn. That's, yeah. yep. They. I'll tell you what. It's a. Uh, it's amazing. It's amazing that you know what you're doing and how you're doing it. Um, so just kind of walk us through from the time you get the call to the recovery and then i want to talk to you about why you do it after okay um you know that's we talked about interviewing the hunters and 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 interview is not the proper word i can just tell (laughs) you interrogation it's It's interrogation interrogation. (laughs) it is i've i've had to call make that call and they will ask you i mean you are literally interrogated and people get frustrated sometimes but it it tells us it it tells us so much Mm -hmm. by asking the right questions we ask caliber we ask you know what time of day we ask how far and and all these questions and i've learned the right questions to ask by emulating some of the the older men that i was fortunate enough to go along with here in south texas Mm -hmm. i mean there's there's several great older men that have been doing this for years down here um you know just just to mention a few and i've got to because i i have the greatest respect for them wade cornelius roy hines and robbie hurt three four of the original men down here with with great uh, great deer tracking dogs and i was fortunate enough to get to ride with a few of them and, and visit with them and pick each other's brains just like houndsmen do mm-hmm. and uh so going back to that interview process you've got to ask so many questions because the general public sometimes doesn't know why the deer did this or why it did that did he run off with the leg up did he did he go down on his back end first before he got up and ran off that 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 tells me he may be hit in the back leg mm-hmm. you know and and it's not that people are terrible shots, but there's that's a big old deer, you know, and, and, and people get nervous, and it's first animals for a lot of people, and things just happen. The blind move, the guide kicked the side of the blind, you know. A lot of people tease me, say, how much did you give that guide to kick that blind right before you shot that deer, you know. Yeah. but You know, that's, that's not a lot different, I, and I understand exactly what you're saying. After 30 years in law enforcement, you know, when there's a sensational event, mm-hmm. people pick, very few people pick up, on the detail part yep. of something for a traumatic or a, a sensational event, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, they just remember the high points that come to mind to them. Right. The more questions you ask, you have to peel back the layers of that onion to find out re- what really happened. And that's, so you got to be, part, you've got to be part investigator here. That's the first yes, thing sir. you got to interrogator. Yes, sir. Yeah. Good deal. Yes, sir. And, and that just tells me so much and, and how long ago they shot it too. Cause sometimes, and, and that's just what people do naturally that don't know any better. They'll they'll shoot an animal that that might not be shot marginally. They'll 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 walk down there and they won't see any sign. They'll go back to camp. Okay, then they'll eat breakfast and they'll talk about it. And somebody'll, oh, I help you go find it. Well, they go out there and then there's four or five of them out there, stomping on your scent. Right. You know, and they find it and they'll push him if it's a, if he's a broke legged deer or animal or he's shot further back. That deer's gonna still got plenty of gas and plenty mobile and they said well we trailed we trailed blood we had blood for eight hundred thousand yards well yeah you did 
you know, you did because that deer kept hearing you or kept smelling you. He just kept moving mm-hmm. far enough away from you mm-hmm. where you couldn't see him. And, uh, you know, that's another thing that these dogs have to navigate. Not only scent from other animals, you've got four or five other deer hunters trying to help, not not cause it, not want to cause harm, but they're out there. They're they're wiping on their blood. They're wiping blood on their pants. They're stepping on sign that your dog right. could use. Or they've got a couple of dead deer in the back of the truck that are dripping in the road, you know, oh, loaded man. in the back of I the truck. I know exactly what you're saying. So mm-hmm. they drove off. They drove over there to help him find a deer. They've got a deer in the back of their truck. This has happened. They drive back out to the main road and go all the way back to the lodge. <clears throat> we'll, so, ju- we'll just drive around and see if we can maybe see him. Yeah, and they've got another deer in the back of their truck that's bleeding through the tailgate. Oh, <laughs> so man. my dog's going down, the, going down the main road. But he's figured that stuff out. Yeah. And a lot of times when those guys make those long trails in there, I'll ask them, which way did you walk out? Because I've watched that dog on my alpha trail all the way back to where the main road is. Come back down us in there to me and start over again. And I'll ask them which way they walked out. And they said, well, we went to this road over here because it was closer. Well, that's the way the dog went. So I've got to interpret on my Alpha 2 on these really, really tough tracks how to help my dog be successful and watch him, watch his trail. And you have to <coughs> learn so much. I've learned so much from watching these Alphas. I don't know how some of these older men did it in the, in the day because we can make a dog and understand and interpret what that dog's trying to tell us by watching where he's mm-hmm. been. Not where this dog doesn't cast. Okay, so just to verify that, so you're watching on your alpha. That dog is or is not opening while he's doing all this. He is not, unless he gets very, very aggravated. You know, my my dog is is half hound. Mm-hmm. You know, he's I I kind of like a half of a hound because here in South Texas, it 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 just seems to help that hybrid vigor that that cross there. Mm-hmm. He gives you a little bit more of a of a grit and it gives you a little and you get the stamina from the from the hound side right but i get the handle handle of the of the cur cur. Mm -hmm. so the hound will come out every once in a while on a real tough track because i can tell he gets mad and his that tail's moving and he'll hit a scent and he'll boop and i can go right there and i mark it on my alpha and i'll go over there and there'll be one little speck of blood smaller than your pinky nail Mm -hmm. you know and and that, that, I'll mark that, and I'll just kind of try to help him along. And he'll, he's he's so specific, and he's so careful. He makes circles, and if he gets too far one direction, he's going to come back to where he knows he knows where that speck of blood is. I don't, don't tell me how. Instinct. But he comes back to there, starts over, and goes again. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just amazing the things that they're able to do down here. So you mentioned, mentioned uh, half hound, half cur. Mm-hmm. Are there any specific breeds that you've had um, – the most success with or are you you just breeding on your own stock we're i'm i I can't say my own stock i can say that it went back to my uncle's Mm -hmm. hog dog stock and my family's hound line from all the way back to 1948 so so the walkers that your grandpa had yes sir and the cur dogs that your uncle had yes sir and and later towards the end of his life i lost my uncle about four or five years ago towards the end of his life he kind of he got older he the hog dog deal got a little tougher. He went back to running wolves, you know, with with Walker. So, I was fortunate enough to be able to pull from those two pools. Yeah. Was it a black mouth cur? Or? No, they're just a red, red stock dog. Just a red South Texas cur dog that, that, like I said, went back to probably nineteen early nineteen seventies when he got that yeah. 
those red dogs out of Florida. Yeah, I was just curious. I, I, that's kind of a sidetrack. No, they, they were, were talking red, about. He always called. He always called them Florida working dogs. Okay. You know, red, red Florida working dogs is where they kind of yeah. where he started his hog dog pack out of. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, so you get the call. You're out there. You found some sign. Some sign. Yes, sir. Very done your interrogation. Mm-hmm. You know what you're you're kind you you've got pieces of the puzzle. Correct. So now we're ready to cast. Right. So do you just drop the tailgate and let the dog do the work, or do you try to find some sign? Well, or? what I've th- there's a lot of people that that like to walk walk along, and and I'm guilty of it as well. And I'll still do it with a younger dog. I want to assure myself that my dog is right. Mm-hmm. You know because. South Texas during a the rut, these 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 bucks are fighting. You know there could be one that's you know got a split, you know six or seven inches in his neck. He might be leaving sign from that feeder. Right. I want to see blood. I want to see some sign. Sometimes I will if it's a tough track. I'll I'll follow along and try to help him like I like I told you with the Alpha, mm-hmm. and I'll stay on that spot of blood till he shows me he's keep he keeps moving. But I'd say seventy percent of the time I'm staying at the feeder with the hunters just watching on the the garmin letting him do his thing mm-hmm. go find the deer get bait or show treat on the on the alpha if he shows treat animals dead and everybody's happy um you know when these deer get up and these broke-legged deer get up and start moving we we try to do our best to get in front of them cut them off mm-hmm. you know a lot of times they'll go to tanks when they're wounded uh not and so a, much a tank a tank down here is a is a <laughs> pool of water it's a pool of water you yeah. know anywhere from a hundred acres to, to thirty acres, right? You know, uh, or, or the size of this building. You know, just they just try to go to water to get away from that dog after after forty five minutes or an hour race. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll they'll try to get away. A lot of people, that's a misconception. They're going to go to water because he's he's got fever. No, he's going to go to the water to get. He's hot. The dog's got him hot. He's going exactly. to get shed of him. Yeah, in that water. So, uh, your dog, your you you get the indication, or you you can hear him bait, or you see it on your garment mm-hmm. that he's treed. Um, are they catching the deer? Will they, not, will they stop a deer like a hog dog? He will. If a deer is running away from him, yes, he will reach up and, and spin him around. Okay. And he's actually getting a little. He, he made me nervous this year. We had a close call with one. He got he got hooked a little bit this year. But um, yes, he will stop a deer and then sit back and bay. They're not going to necessarily. They're not going to reach up there and grab a deer like a hog dog. I, okay. I don't. I don't want that because it, it's too much. That was going to be my next question. Well, there's there's a lot of sharp items on top of that buck's head you know you take a big old south texas you know 15 point buck he can do some damage on a dog real quick well and and i can only imagine you know if 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 you walk in there and your dog's caught this trophy deer that's anywhere from five to twenty thousand dollars that this guy paid for and he's shredding the ears on it that wouldn't that probably wouldn't go over real well no sir it's not like, at uh, all. i don't think we'll call travis again nine nine times out of ten they're either licking that spot where the blood was or they're chewing on chewing on the back end of him you know mm-hmm. they're they're going to be licking or chewing on where that deer was wounded where that open wound was yeah yeah yes sir but if the deer's gonna run away from away from him he's gonna reach up there and grab him and spin him around mm-hmm. and, and make him fight but he gives him enough room I've got to be real careful now because I actually bred to one of Shorty's dogs, and I've got he, he's a little he's just like his dad. He's pretty rough, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm probably not going to work those two dogs together anymore because that's how I got the my one hurt. Mm-hmm. And a deer will stay longer with a one dog than he will with two because they're not putting so much heat on him. 
when you say when you say rough, you you're talking about rough on game. Rough on game. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Getting getting in too tight, getting in too close, getting to spin him. They'll, they've got to where this year they were spinning real. One was on one side, one was on another, and they just had him spinning, spinning, spinning. Well, it doesn't take much to get a dog up against a pear bush and run through him, mm-hmm. and that's how we got in the bind this year. So I, it just it's when I get in those long races, I'll cast the second dog to try to shorten the race mm-hmm. because we're getting five or six calls a day, you know. So I, I want I want to be able to kind of alternate these two dogs so I can help other hunters be successful. And we're talking five or six calls a day on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, the busiest days of the of the week. Are you kidding me? Yes, Five sir. or six calls mm-hmm. a yes, day. Sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, that some of these is... guys are teaming up, you know, to, uh, well, like I know Robbie, he, his brother and his wife go with him mm-hmm. so that he can sleep between calls because they have so many calls on the weekends, you know. So how many times have you gotten out there, guys like, oh, I hit him good, I hit him good, I hit, uh, I just can't believe he got away. He was standing right over there. And then as you start looking around, you find out that he wasn't standing over there. He was standing – Hundred yards further. Hundred yards further and off to the left, and you know how many times you run into that? All the time, all the time, Chris. And, and it's and it's not their fault. They got excited, you know. And, and and it's 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 just like you said, like you alluded to earlier. You know that that excited moment. It, it doesn't. You know there he is. There's a deer that he's been looking at on camera. He's been trying to hunt him for thirty thirty or forty sets. He there he is. And let me grab my gun and throw it up and pull a shot. You know, and that just happens. That's just sure. human nature is natural. That's, so that's why the interrogation. That's exactly. why because you want to eliminate that as much as you possibly can. Mm-hmm. Eliminate as many unknowns and set your dog up for success Correct. as much as you can. And not so much that and, and to go back to getting five or six calls a day, the timing of some of these calls. Because mm-hmm. I can tell from those interrogations that that deer's hit a little further back. Let's give him a little time. I'll go. I'll go try to find these two men's deer first. Mm-hmm. That, I, that maybe one shot him the evening before. That happens a lot. They'll, they'll shoot him in the evenings. They won't call us till the next day, you know, the middle of the day, because they looked that night, couldn't find him. Well, we'll go back and try in the daylight. That didn't work. So now let's call the dog. So I'll try to space those calls out in order to help the dog be successful. This sounds exactly like being a law enforcement canine handler, and I was <laughs> one for several years. But even even law enforcement, even after you put them through training and you say, you get somebody that runs from you, your first call should be have canine in route, mm-hmm. you know, and then set up your perimeter and contain. That's That's your job. But more times than not, I'd get that call at 3 o'clock in the morning from dispatch from from wherever and they'd tell me they'd be like 
we had a guy run about 10 o'clock, and the guys have been out looking for him. They can't find him. Can you bring your dog and find him? <laughs> and do the same thing that you're mm-hmm. talking about, Travis. Interrogation. I'm, and now I'm interrogating policemen. It's like, okay, where was he? Because their adrenaline's pumping and all this stuff. Sure. And I've, I've seen all of this stuff. I mean, it's amazing the parallels mm-hmm. in those two things. Um. I mean, it's yeah. blowing me yeah. away. No, it, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. It and, really uh, is. So, one thing you you said a minute ago, turn the second dog loose. How? Uh, so, when you're doing this, are you running a pack of hounds? Uh, typically, one hound. How many hounds are you allowed to to run, or is there a limit? Or there is, there is a limit, and I was actually involved in a little bit of it um, about two thousand. I'd say two, in, in the year 2002, three, four, somewhere right in there. Uh, I was younger at the time, and and I was I was I wasn't involved as heavily as some of the men in South Texas were, the originals, Wade, Wade, Roy, Robbie, and Wade Rudd. That there was a there was a citation issued for running deer with hounds in South Texas, mm-hmm. and we had to get we had to bring a bring a lot of light to what was going on in South Texas and why we were using them, how many we were using and why. And originally nobody ever used more than two down here anyway, but the state only allows you to use two dogs on the ground at any time to recover a wounded deer, wounded whitetail in Texas. So there are some, there's a few counties up in the northeast Texas that still only allow leashed. Mm -hmm. And some didn't allow it at all. Just because those were some of the counties, as we talked earlier, some of the counties that were still running deer with dogs, with pack of hounds. Okay. So I'm only allowed to use two dogs legally on the ground at once. Let, let me get let me get this straight. So is it legal to, is there any place left in Texas where it's illegal to hunt deer with the use of hounds? Not that I'm aware of. No, Okay, sir. So, so that's off the table. Mm-hmm. That's completely off. All right. All right, that that was one of the things I was curious about. If Texas is still a state that allows hunting with hounds, correct? No, that I don't. I don't believe that there's any. There are any counties left. Okay, you know, and, and there were some counties that wouldn't even allow tracking up until recently, with with hounds, just because of that. You know, and those were some of those older counties where that still existed. Mm-hmm. So, but yes, two two hounds on the, no more than two, at any time on on one specific deer, and and you just try to, I try to navigate through what i'm told by the hunter and and what's being put in front of me is this deer do i think this deer's busted leg is he shot high and just has a little chunk of meat out of his out of his neck and i'm not going to stop him or if we see him cross the road and he's got all four legs and and we can maybe see where he was wounded i'll 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 stop it i'll stop Mm -hmm. i mean if i get a visual on that deer and i don't think we can catch up to him and the dog's behind him you know uh, a half a mile sometimes when it gets hot down here in december yeah you know we have 85 degree days in december down here so just got to be real careful about how we navigate these calls and sure and try to be successful as we can how much how much do you have to pay attention to weather how much does weather affect your tracking ability and stuff down here i tell you it's always dry down here everybody knows in south texas it's it's just we've been a desert here for about the past three four years even worse than normal but uh you know, during the winter months, sometimes we we've got some we got those old winter, you know, misty days, cloudy mm-hmm. days. The hardest day for me to track in South Texas is a day a bright blue sky day after a northern. And there's a lot of houndsmen that are after checking their after head. a what after after a northern down yeah. here in South Texas. There's yeah. we've got those high blue skies, and I always dread it. You know, because I, I my success rate 
it goes down on those high blue sky days mm -hmm. after the day or two after a, a good hard northern. But here's here's the other parallel. So if you were just a houndsman, you would pick the best days to go hunting. But the other parallel to what you were doing, canine ham, you go when you get the call. Yeah, you don't get to you choose your day. Exactly. We don't get to choose. So do you do you uh, talk about that high school? What do you think's going on with the scent there? Because we've we've talked about. We've had a whole podcast on scent and scenting and oh, how okay. dog's nose works, and and we're going to build on that, but this could be a part of that. Um, you know, we're taking a dog that is tracking microscopic. I mean, they can track that the the, the molecules of that bile coming out, out of it or the, the blood spore right. um, and putting this thing together for what, what we call a scent picture. You know, to track that specific deer. That that deer, even though he's a deer, he has a specific smell. Smell. And I believe I believe that that dog has a good dog has figured that out. And and then you add the blood spore or the the intestinal fluids or whatever it is with that. Now he knows. That's how amazing a dog's nose is. They know that this is the deer I need to track, and I've put it together with the the leakage, mm -hmm. whatever that is. Right. And now they're they're going out there. So so the question is, um, what do you think's going on there on those blue sky days? You know, you take those those dry blue northerns that blow through down here. They've already they've blown scent everywhere. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we're already under dry conditions. Then you give us dry skies and and no clouds. There's just there's nothing holding that scent down anymore. Is 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 the best way I can put it. There's nothing. There's do you no track moisture. it? Do you track it with your apps on your phone or meteorology or? I have not. I don't. Barometric pressure. I don't, I don't follow barometric pressure. I know these guys do. Mm -hmm. I mean, the cat, the cat guys down here and the wolf guys down here definitely do, mm -hmm. and they pick those better days. And, and and but it's 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 no secret. And 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 I make I make the public aware. Look, we just had a northern. There's no clouds in the skies. There's no moisture in the ground. This is going to be tough on us. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, you pre pre capture attempt, you kind of already let them know. And I've always said that because when you go into a hunt and you're taking the public or hunting for the public, and it's happening, and they're saying, "What's happening?" And then you're going, "Well, it's dry down here. We just had a northern." So you're making an excuse right. in their eyes. You know, exactly. If you if you Yes. Go into it. Well, this guy's dog's you no know. good. He, he, you right. know, I right. may not know some of these guys. A lot of them exactly. I do know, and a lot of them will trust you. But sure. if this is a new call or, or a new ranch that I've, I've been fortunate enough to call me, it's I try to lay everything out there on the line. Because you're not going to last in this business very long if you're not, number one, honest. Because South Texas is a small area. South and Central Texas is pretty small at the top, you know, mm -hmm. for these bigger places that you're going to go find a lot of these deer. And, and it doesn't take long to, you know, social media only gets you so far saying you've got a got a dog he's going to have to back it up right yeah so so when you're talking barometric pressure high pressure moves to low pressure and then once that high moves through then you're looking at a low pressure thing and there's nothing pushing that scent down to the yes, ground sir. so now now you've just got it everywhere have you ever have you ever studied anything on scent or the theories of scent or I anything like that? I really haven't. Just but it's amazing. The re I'm not. I'm not asking no, you that sir. to put you on the spot. It's amazing that you're figuring this out from experience of, right. of how these things work. You know, for me, you know, I've been a houndsman for 38 years, and I, I, when I've told this story before, but relaying it to you, um, 
I saw thing, hounds do things before I ever became a canine handler. And during, during, during that training, you, you train on scent, and you go to seminars, and you read the science, and you, you have tests on it, and you do all this stuff. So I was seeing all these things in my hounds for a number of years and trying to put pieces of the puzzle together. And then when I went to training, then stuff started clicking. Oh, that's why that happened. Right. <clears throat> so when I meet a guy like you, it makes me feel like a dummy. You know, it really does, because you figured this out just by being out there and knowing. You don't know all the scientific terms, maybe, or, or all that, but Correct. just from being boots on the ground and hours out there, I mean, that's what being a houndsman is all about mm-hmm. right there. And I think it's I think it's just amazing that, uh, that houndsmen pick that up. Let your hounds tell you what's going on. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and you, you – yeah. Do you log? Do you log your – I try to uh, as much as I can on those four and five call days. Sometimes stuff gets, you know, it gets hectic. I get tired, you know. Right. Um, but uh, this year, by far, is my biggest year uh, catching deer, uh, 65, 65 recovered animals. Mm-hmm. You know, I probably, that's probably, I haven't looked in the book, but I'm going to guess 80% recovery, you know, and, and that has to do with, the interrogation as well sure there's a lot of these people that, that I, I just it breaks their heart you know i want you to come i want you to come i can't find that deer i'm telling you from what you're telling me i'm not going to catch him you know and and more often than not they're going to call somebody else and and, and then and they might find him but most of the time they're not because i've just been trained to ask so many of the right questions well and and so oftentimes to a young guy like travis um he's not getting the cream of the crop calls He's getting the calls after they've already called one of those other guys, and that guy decides, no, I'm not going to come. Well, the hunter says, I don't care. Get a hound here. Right. This Mm -hmm. this guy's not going to come, so they call Travis, and Travis tells him, I'm probably not going to catch. I don't care. Bring your dogs. I want to try. And, you know, you got a guy that's just paid $15,000 for a deer. He's got blood. He's going to pay for the deer. That's the ranch. Most of these ranches, if there's blood, you pay for the deer. Right. And so this guy's already into it, $15,000. He's going to pay Travis to come try regardless. And so that's, you know, probably why you're at 80% versus 90-something percent is uh, some of those calls are... are, Mission impossible. Mission impossible. Correct. Correct. And and, and where I'll go to four or five a day, some of these men that have been doing it for ages that I mentioned earlier, that where I'll find 60 this year, the best year I've ever had. Normally I'll find anywhere from 25 to 40. Best year I've ever had this year. Uh, I'll, I'll probably attribute a little bit of that to COVID because I think when their people were told to work from home, they were working from the deer blind in Texas. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, but uh, those guys will go to seven or eight, you know, they'll find a hundred deer a year. Right. You know, and, and, and it's getting a little bit more diluted because the sports, it's 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 almost turning into a sport. There's everybody who's got a, every ranch manager, it seems that comes out of Kingsville that wildlife department always they always end up with a dog in the truck you know right. that it'll find wounded deer and there's some younger men that that well there's one down there in Ensenal he's a younger man a good young man he's got a couple of plots that he's he's been able to train and do well there you and, go trash your hookup so, hey, right there you'll have you trash go. problem yeah no. <laughs> <laughs> he'll be out there molesting all the exotic <laughs> running kudu who knows what but uh he he's he's had some success at it it's it's just it's got to be in your heart and want to do it and and be good at it not just to be kind of good at it It, it, down here you know you're gonna have to you're gonna have to back up what you say yeah or you won't get very many more after that right 
Uh, obviously, obviously, you're you're getting compensated for your work out there, and there's nothing wrong with that at all. Yes, sir. But but what intrinsic values do you get out of doing this? That's kind of what hooked me on it. You know, I started I started with hog dogs, and I love to watch. I love that I was a young man, ready to go, rip and roar, and full of testosterone, ready to go catch a bunch of hogs and kill them all. And I started that. But when I saw my first deer dog work. I was with Wade Cornelius when I was about 15 years old. And uh, just to see, it was a young lady, first deer, first big deer. Uh, we were able to recover that deer. Not that not that catching hogs doesn't mean something to me as mm-hmm. a houndsman, it does. But it means, it almost means more when I find these wounded animals. Because to me, it's, it's from what we've talked about in the past 45 minutes, it's, it's so much harder and it takes such a special type of dog to do this it's just so much more rewarding to me yeah in my heart i find so many kids first wounded you know first deer i mm-hmm. find so many you know young it, it, it doesn't not it's not always just kids there's a lot more people getting brought into the, the sport of hunting and i'm i'm proud of that and i hope we keep going with that yeah you get a dad that that wants to give his his son a graduation present and he brings him down at, to a, the most epic memorable hunt that he could find mm-hmm. for him to do mm-hmm. and and you're helping. By the time I the get there, this kid, this kid is in the dumps. Yeah, yeah. emotional. Yeah, okay. yeah. emotional Emotionally, wreck. when I get here, yeah, and that's happened a lot. I graduate. It's funny you mentioned that specific scenario. I get there, this kid's 18 years old, he's about to go to college. His daddy bought him an early graduation present. We're going to go to South Texas. We're going to kill you, a big South Texas deer. Well, by the time I get there, I mean his head is in the dirt. Yeah, you know, no hope. No, I mean we've already looked, and everybody's looked, and. We looked last night. We looked this morning. Nobody in camp. We trumped it all up and did yeah. our best. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, yeah. yeah. There's been 40, 50 more deer walk over it, you know. You're his last hope. I'm his only hope, and it's it's hero or zero for me. You know, it's it's in, it, in a lot of times bow hunting has become such a sport. Everybody, it's it. I've watched bow hunting in my time. I feel like an old guy because over the past 10 or 12 years, you've watched the bow hunting sport just – tremendously grow yeah and and that 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 attributes a lot too because you know the bow hunting is harder you got to make the good shots and a lot of times those those bow hunters are first time big bow hunting deer and first time deer and if you whenever we are successful it's just so rewarding to me to be able to put all that together watch the dog work and put a smile on people's faces it's probably not a smile i mean you're talking about a kid who's in the dumps and all of a sudden He's got the bone in his hands, and he's doing his grip and grin. You know that didn't and sound good. And that did just, not sound huh? good. That did not sound good at all. Hardware. It's hardware. Hardware. <laughs> A deer. Uh, yeah. What about bone collector? There you go. Oh, we, yeah. Okay. Yeah. He's got, he's got Think that, about what you this just is said. Got all that I'm worried about where your mind is. Sure. Well, <laughs> I'm only human. <laughs> I've said so many things. I've said so many things on this podcast. I go back and I listen to it, and I'm like. Whoops! Wow, <laughs> that did that didn't come out the way I meant it to come out. No, it's all good. <laughs> but, but to be able to put those smiles on on those people's faces, uh, it's just truly rewarding. It makes me proud, even more proud of the the dog that I've had at this time. Mm-hmm. I mean, this this dog I have now, River, he's 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 one of a kind. He's special, and I hope I could breed more like him. Uh, I don't know if I ever will. Okay, so here's a question: uh, You show up to a ranch. You've been on this ranch several times maybe you know same same hunter whatever 
when you show up, do they do they say hi, Travis, or do they say hi, River? That most of the time, if we've been there, they, they go to the back of the truck before they come shake my hand. Yeah. You know? I, <laughs> I hope you brought River. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, yeah. sir. And they become accustomed to that. So if I've got if it's an easy call and I've got a, a younger dog in the truck that I want I want to find this deer, they're like. Why aren't you putting him on the ground? You know, he, he's your ace. Yeah. Well, if we need him, we'll use him. Right. Well, he's there for backup right now. And he's not that old. He's only five. So, hopefully got some really good. He's coming five this summer. So, if I can keep him backed off and hunt him by himself and we don't get in trouble, we'll be we'll So, be good I want to get back. I know we don't have too terribly much more time, but um, I want to get back into the hunt, okay? Uh, you got the deer. Let's say, let's say the dog, you know, uh, has the deer bait what uh you know obviously if the deer's already deceased it's it's an easy walk up get the picture with the, with the kids if they if they've got the deer bait what's take us through that what's it like because somebody's got to now dispatch the deer right correct that, it, that dog is so valuable to me i, I don't let anybody it, it, unless we're on a huge high fence ranch and, and the deer's i don't believe the deer is gonna go anywhere I can call that dog to me and let the hunter finish him off with a bow if this is going to be a book-type situation. Mm -hmm. You know, if he, he was wounded with a bow and he's a 180-inch typical deer and he's going to go in the book as a bow, I'm a, I can that older dog, I can call him to me for a second and I can allow that hunter to kill that deer with his bow. Um, but nine times, that, that's a very, very rare situation. Mm -hmm. Nine times out of the ten, they can't keep up with me in the brush just because I'm so used to getting through it, and I know how to get Damn, through it. Damn, you don't look that fast. Well, I, I, I've got, I've gained a little bit shorter. I don't <laughs> fight bulls on the weekend like you do. I've got a good wife who's a good cook. <laughs> good job. Round is a shape, son. <laughs> but even though even though I got short legs, a little wide, I can get through it pretty good, and and uh, it's hard. You know, it's and people aren't dressed for it. You know. It's. I love sick gear. It's good camo, but you're not going to run through pear, pear mm. and thorns with it. Guarantee it. You know it'll really Guarantee your it. So I've got brush jackets and I've got leggings and I'm mm -hmm. ready to get to those to those animals. And I I, I know how rough <coughs> some of these old mature South Texas bucks can be. They're going to fight. They fought all their life to get that old eight or nine years old, and and it's hard for that dog to hold them if they're only, you know, say they've got an elbow just clipped elbow and they've still got use of that that leg mm -hmm. you know they may die they're going to die eventually from you know something it's going to get them coyotes are going to drag them pull them down or something but they've still got that's almost like catching a live deer mm -hmm. almost <clears throat> but it's not and so you've got to really river he makes big circles around these deer so i've almost got the time or i've got to call him off to the side or get his attention on me for a second so i can kill that deer because that deer you is just spinning Mm -hmm. He's he's on his back legs and he's spinning nine times out of the ten, you know. Just and he's watching fighting, the dog. Watching the dog. He's yeah. watching the dog and 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 nine, nine times out of ten, I've got to not nine times ten all the time. I've got to make an approach downwind because some of these deer are so wild down here that they get one scent of you. That the heck with that dog, especially yeah. on an hour hour and a half long race. Mm -hmm. We finally got him stopped. That deer still got a lot of wind. He sees me or smells me. I'm going to create a longer race. We might not catch him again. And that's happened. You yeah. know, that just comes from experience. And uh, so I've got to get in there, and I've got to get him dispatched as quickly as I can without injuring the dog, too. So what do you think um, What do you think the, the, the narrative is here for people 
there's so much there's so much talk and about the relationship between deer hunters and houndsmen uh turkey hunters and houndsmen you know, you're doing a service you're bridging that gap between the deer hunting community and the hound hunting community mm-hmm. and i think it's i think it's such such a deal that we need to showcase that you know there if you take hound hunting and, it, and the, the reason i bring this up is because hound hunting is always the lowest hanging fruit you know Correct. and it seems like deer hunters would be more than happy to never they don't care whether there's hound hunting or not because they don't see the importance of as a management tool for our game but also exactly can you imagine what would happen in 30 years if there were no more houndsmen that couldn't do what you do what would they do then the, the, the nothing the, those, those that game would go to waste yeah you're not you're not going to just call some some guy with a dog you know so and so has a dog that used to be legal to 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 hunt with maybe he can find it you know mm-hmm. you, you can't just sure, jump I got off a the lab i got a labrador i got a duck dog back at the camp that yeah happened, that, that I, I run into that all the time well we tried the duck dog but he couldn't find it so right we called you too so there's just so many things that get thrown at us that we can navigate through but no it's like you said it's coming from the hog hunting side well when 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 deer season starts, you can forget about running a hog dog in Texas. Yeah, right. You're not going to stir up these deer. There's so much there's so much time and effort and feed mm-hmm. and, and unless time. You, unless you've got some good ranches that like understand I, that right. understand exactly that and and have takes, been with you. Yes. Yeah. Because yeah. Uh, hounds are automatically associated with. Well, no, they're going to chase my deer. Or they're going right. to chase right. my cows. Or or you know that the people that don't understand hounds and houndsmen and what we're trying to do think that they're just going to stir up the whole countryside right well i've had i've had live deer walk up to that dog in the middle of trailing one you know i've had bucks in the rut run right by him you know he's broke and, and it's hard to make somebody who's not a houndsman or a dogman understand yeah they, that that dog is they can't believe it and no but the, the thing is as a hunting community you know, what I hope that we can get out of this podcast of talking to you is showing the value not only to manage hogs on a lease or, or uh, raccoons that are getting in feeders or coyotes. coyotes, whatever that is. But if we, you can't just jump off the couch and go do this. You know, you've got to be a houndsman. You've got to have the skills. You've got to have the breeding and genetics in your dogs. You've got to have the opportunity to work those hounds. And if and if deer hunters don't recognize that and start supporting houndsmen, it's going to go away. And then what are they going to do? Right. You know? That's correct. And that's, you know, that's back to the social media. I think that's one of the great things about social media is, is you know, you can get on some deer sites and there are actually guys talking about blood trackers and who you know who to call if you if you need somebody so they are the light is being shed on Mm -hmm. on the value of of blood tracking dogs and 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 that just because of social media and and people applying it to to what they're doing and and and, uh so it is it is i think you know as much as social media is a pain in the rear it's a double-edged sword it is it is it is it really is and and that's where the public who doesn't understand it sometimes they need to do their homework as well sure and 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 do their interrogation of who they're hiring to come find their right 
So, so let me ask you this. How many other states do you know of, since you're in the business and the network, how many other states would allow um, what you're doing, free casting a hound to recover a deer? Louisiana is the only one that I'm aware of that, mm-hmm. that you can do that. Oklahoma, I know that you can't. Uh, I'm pretty certain in New Mexico you cannot. So no. my surrounding areas, uh, Louisiana do you think would it'd be, be Do you think it would be legal in states that have deer hunting with hounds anyway? I would assume so. I would think. You, would you think, know, yeah. Georgia, Florida, uh, North and South Carolina, Virginia. Yes, sir. You know, the south- southeastern states. Mm-hmm. I would assume so. <clears throat> yeah. But it's it's like, you, you know, that leash deal is just it's just not for us down here. We just and and luckily we've had we've had the right people in the right positions within our parks and wildlife mm-hmm. that, that understand the value. Well, you got a lot of people that are big landowners that yes, that benefit from your services. Yes, sir. And that puts the pressure on from other directions from fish, yes, you know, sir. for mm-hmm. parks and wildlife. That's correct. <laughs> you know, it really is. Yep. It's a it's a political thing. Yeah, and you really know, is. I think hunting in in the state of Texas is like a two billion dollar industry or something like yes. that. It's it's big big time, mm-hmm. and all these ranches and stuff. You know, you talked about it being a small community. Uh, it's huge. You know, just the vastness of Texas is huge. But when you break it down to actual landowners, that's a small community. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And those so. are the men, and those actually are the men who got involved mm-hmm. uh, in, in the in the early 2000s and helped guys like Wade and Roy and Robbie and those who were my age at the time put all that together in order to keep preserve what we, what we had. It was, you know, folks like several of the other big landowners in Texas that were yeah. able to to see that through yeah to help us get a voice right that's that, awesome that's great stuff shorty you got anything else no i think we uh we pretty much covered it yeah you got anything else you want to add no Any- sir I, I appreciate you shedding some light on what we're doing down here with with some of these deer dogs and and i think there's a lot of people that'll probably be amazed that that, that we go track without a leash and and how we get it done and right if they saw it with their own eyes they'd probably be even more amazed you know and i think that's why you're seeing more and more folks with a deer tracking dog, and it, it's it's kind of growing. Mm-hmm. You know, is that a good thing or a bad thing? I think it's a great thing if if people are in it for the right reasons. Mm-hmm. If you're in it for the right reasons, if you're not just out there trying to charge somebody to go find a deer and go on to the next one, that you're not going to last very long in it. You know, you you can't just kick a dog out and go, oh, I don't think you can catch. I don't think this deer's wounded. He'll be back because mm-hmm. a lot of times those deer that I go look for and we can't find will come back. They'll see them on camera. You know, deer that I told them. We couldn't catch, you know, they'll right. get them on camera. I told you so. Months <laughs> months later. Months yeah. later, you know. Yeah. So, no, I think it's great that, that, that there's more opportunities out there for people because f- five or six guys in South Texas who have been doing it for years can't get to all the deer. Yeah. So if there's there's a, if there's a ranch hand that's got a dog that, that, that might be able to find it, then, you know, or help somebody, it's, it's a good thing. I agree. And I think, you know, just to wrap it up, my final thoughts on it, you know, for one thing, I was very ignorant about, what deer tracking mm-hmm. what you do and uh, uh you know we talked about it. shorty told me and i was like oh, you know deer you know recovery and, and then after i started he started telling me about it then i got interested and then after sitting down i see so many parallels uh, i mean you are houndsman you are training a dog you're free casting a hound to go out and pursue game and catch game and that is that is awesome and then the parallels between law enforcement mm-hmm. and and uh <laughs> what you do is amazing you know uh but i think the message that that i will close with is 
you know, as much as hounds or houndsmen are under fire from seems like every direction, but the the non-hunting public and the anti-hunting public, you're doing a great service here for the wildlife and the resource. Uh, a wounded deer is not going to go off and die a quiet death with his family members and and say his final goodbyes. And it's going to be a brutal. It's going to be brutal. It's going to be a brutal coyotes. death. Mm-hmm. He's he's gonna he's gonna die of infection, eventually, befall to predation from coyotes, um, you know. So, for the humane side of this thing, you're doing a great service for the wildlife with what you're doing, and that's the the narrative that we need to keep up front. Is, you know, if you know you can't catch a deer. You're not going to keep hammering. You're not out there to turn a dog loose on a deer that you can't catch so that you can kill a deer. You're out there following a deer, pursuing a deer, tracking a deer that you know is not going to have a good ending. He's mm-hmm. going to have a brutal death in the end if you do not do this. Plus, you're helping fellow sportsmen. I think that's just a win-win. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. I really do. So, Travis, I appreciate your time. I, I appreciate y'all coming down. I'm glad we could make it all work. I, I'm so glad, Shorty. Thanks, Shorty. I will. Appreciate I, it. I finally did something good. <laughs> <laughs> well, we close every one of these podcasts out. We got kind of a tagline at the end of it. And uh, uh, in your case, we got a blood track here. It's, it's headed off, and you know you're going to catch this deer. So, Travis, you follow your hounds, and I'll follow mine. Yes, sir. All right. <laughs>